Be Coastal at the Boatyard Restaurant, located at 1515 Southeast 17th Street Causeway in Fort Lauderdale. Here, you'll feel part of the yachting tradition of South Florida as you experience the Boatyard's hooked table, seafood-eccentric menu, with fresh catches listed by name of the fisherman who caught them. The Boatyard's open kitchen is also known for premium grilled cuts of meat and a menu that's sourced from local ingredients. Sit inside in modern nautical-themed rooms or dockside and watch the boats cruise by as you enjoy lunch, dinner, and Sunday brunch. Monday through Friday, the locals know that the Boatyard's happy hour is the best place to gather for bar bites and handcrafted cocktails at great prices. And don't miss out on Ladies' Night every Thursday. Call ahead to book your reservation today at 954-525-7400. Clear the airwaves. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is The Real Guy Podcast. Hey everybody, it's Captain Jeff. And welcome to The Real Guy Podcast. Got a special guest today, Matteo Burrell. How's it going, guys? <laughs> Jeff, thanks for letting me uh, be on the podcast tonight. Yeah, very. I'm, 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 glad that, um, I'm glad that we got a chance to do this. I've been wanting to get to you um, to come over and do a podcast ever since your dad reached out to me online. Yeah. And um, we've been fishing so much. And then the holidays came, and it's been about six months, but we're here now, yeah. and um, good to have you. Run that dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mateo, tell the audience how old you are. 15 right now. 15. Yeah. And I understand you've been working at the local tackle shop for over two years already? Uh, just about two years. It'll be two years in July. Is that even legal? Uh, I kind of started when I wasn't legal, but now I'm legal. It's a way to push the envelope, kid. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I think there's more kids like you out there pushing the envelope. Um, I don't know. When I was a kid, almost all of the kids had a job. Yeah. Like, it was cool to have a job. Now it's, I mean, most kids are sitting home at my age, doing nothing, don't even know what to do with their lives. And it's, So what made, you go, what made you go out and get a job? What, what inspired you to go out there and get to work? So really it was, my mom was like, you know, you should get to work, this and that. And I'm like, I'm only 13, you know? And I was like, you know, I had a few days because I started doing uh, homeschool, which started getting a lot of downtime and and I wanted to go do something. So um, it was kind of, it, it was perfect timing because it was around May and uh, two new tackle shops opened. It was Real Deal and this other tackle shop that's way up north, um, kind of in like Boca area. Okay. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. And But Real Deal was local, and, you know, for about a month, I was starting to go in there, look around, um, you know, start buying some stuff. I saw it was a cool little 
you know, in Shore Tackle Shop at this guy was starting to uh, start. And I was like, you know, one day we were sitting, you know, around here. And I was like, looks like they can maybe use some help. And one day after like a month and a half, they've been open. So this was like the beginning of July. I uh, went up in there and I was like, hey, Mike, uh, by any chance are you hiring? You know, I'm 15. This was the beginning of summer. I was like, hey, you know, at first I thought this was going to be like a summer job. I was like, yeah, I could work, uh, you know, two, three days a week. And he was like, all right, cool. Um, we'll start in, I think it was a week and a half, uh, two weeks. And I first start working Mondays and Tuesdays. And I did that for about, I think it was about six months and then, I kind of started switching to the end of the week, kind of Thursday and Fridays, and occasion Noel he'll call me in if he needs my help now, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But so, so when you were thinking about getting a job at a tackle shop, were you thinking about you get a job at a tackle talk shop to uh, gain knowledge on to learn how to fish better, or did you were you saving up like trying to make some cash? Well, it was kind of both. I um. Because now I'm trying to save up, you know, for a truck because I'm about to turn 16 and, you know, people, you know, I'll, I ask people to go to rides, you know, to go north to go catch snook or go down Miami or the Keys to go catch tarpon. And I kind of want to, you know, drive myself and so, get down there. All right, so you need a truck. Yeah, pretty right. much. That's pretty good. Yeah. You know, it is a breath of fresh air. I, I can't tell you how many 15-year-olds, if I asked them just what they needed, they couldn't tell me. You know what I mean? Never mind have enough gumption to go out there and get a job and to uh, actually have some goals. And um, I don't know. It just seems to me like the kids your age that I meet, you're definitely the minority out of the group. Uh-huh. Um, I thought that when I met you, when your old man brought you fishing with me for the first time. I'm sitting back and I'm watching. I'm be like, I'm watching, and and I'm seeing the intensity in the fishing that's going on on the boat. And how old were you when you first went out with me? So me and you, my dad, we went out on a Lauderdale trip, and we still have a picture. And I think it was back in like 2015, 2000, and maybe the beginning of two. Yeah. So you're like 11 years old. No, I was even younger wait. than that. Yeah, I was. I, I was nine or ten at the time. Wow, time I think. Flying. Yeah, I know. <laughs> time is flying. <laughs> but dude, as a nine-year-old, you and your dad on the boat, there wasn't a time from the very first time that I took you fishing, that you weren't dead focused on the actual fishing part of it. Yeah. And you got to realize, I take hundreds of kids fishing. Yeah. And if I take a hundred kids fishing, one or two actually will focus and concentrate on the actual sport uh-huh. now lots of kids go out there and they have a good time and it's it's a pastime for them and they enjoy themselves yeah but i really think that um you with the intensity level at a young age and i think you're showing it now by going to work getting ready to buy a truck learning as much as you can about fishing putting yourself in a spot at real deal tackle shop where not only are you going to grow as a fisherman, but you're going to grow as a person. Yeah. I, I firmly believe, and I did a lot of schooling in my days, and did a lot of working in my days. I truly believe that I learned way faster and way better when I was working than when I was, with, when I was a student. Yeah. And I hope that's working for you. So before 
You started working at the tackle shop. What are you doing? Running around on your bikes trying to catch fish? I mean, it was a lot of that. It was, you know, um, that was really when when I first started working there is when I really started fishing the piers hard. Uh, during the summers, we, especially over here by Lardo, by the sea, we go and, you know, pilchards are everywhere in the surf. There's always a good amount of snook chilling around. And, you know, we go there, we go have fun. Each of, you know, I'll probably catch two or three snook. Just depends on the size. Some days we could get some decent ones. We'll get some, you know, mid-30s, um, a lot of unders, occasional slots. But really, it was that. And, yeah, riding the bike around here locally, um, fishing bridges. Like uh, the two bridges right here, uh, what we call the Little Bridge by George English Park. We call it Little Sunrise. And then we have uh, Big Sunrise Bridge. And I've been fishing those two bridges for as long as I can remember, pretty much. Right, right, right. You know, that's the uh, that's the story of the kid that grows up in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, it's about the local bridges. Yeah. I mean, when I when I grew up on Los Olos Boulevard, um, I mean, we moved there. I was in second or third grade, mm-hmm. and the only thing that went through my mind was, "Is my mom gonna let me go to the end of the street so I can get to the bridge and fish?" Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost like. A, um, I don't know, here in South Florida or I guess on Southwest Florida too, but it's almost like a, a, a way of life. Yeah. If you're a 13-year-old fisherman or 12-year-old fisherman, I mean, you've got to get out of the driveway. So what do you do? You ambush your local bridge. Exactly. And then you become like uh, almost like uh, out of Rufus Wakeman said, you build a relationship with your local bridge. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, literally we're, you know, what time of the years, like weeks, months, pretty much. I have those two bridges dialed down where there's weeks that I know in the years where it just gets stupid at those bridges sometimes, and that's when we really target those bridges, and we do pretty well. Sometimes we'll get some giant fish. We'll get big tarpon, especially this time of the year. I mean, right now we have a sewage problem of, you know, Fort Lauderdale, and most of our local bridges are kind of, pretty much shit <laughs> yeah not the place to fish right yeah now. but uh this time of the year i mean psh, normally we'll go to the bridge we'll especially because we're about to have our spring mullet run um which really the mullet runs aren't even that crazy as they once were but you know we do get mullet yeah and um you know the tarpon they'll stack up on you know the the big bridge and we'll go over there and we'll probably hook you know nine ten at night and Anywhere from 25, 30 pounds all the way to, I've seen some way past 100 on some of these bridges around here. Right, right. Now, <clears throat> talk to me a little bit about your fishing partners. Start with your dad, because that's where I met you, and he brought you fishing on my boat. Now, is you and your dad straight up fishing partners? We are. We definitely get into our little you know arguments about where to you know fish how how to fish and we're doing it right you know right yeah we get um <laughs> what leader we'll, we'll get mad at each other because you know freaking i'll fray off on you know fish with like 60 or something and then he'll be like you should have been fishing 80 or he'll fray off on a fish i should have been you're fish you should be fishing 80 and he's fishing 60 or i'm fishing 40 because i forgot to retie from you know the <laughs> surf fishing and the on the beach and i thought i was good and ended up fraying on a nice fish and i mean yeah we do have that and then we do have times where um or we do we 
do everything right and we have a great time yeah and kill well, it well you know it's it's the dynamic of it all that makes it special yeah you know like if you went out there every single time and you didn't struggle and you didn't get in those arguments and you didn't fish with that type of intensity it wouldn't be near as fun you know what i mean exactly now i i went through the same process with my dad and um i started fishing with him when i was you know since i could remember put it that way yeah and then when i got a little older and i started working and you know thought i needed my own boat and started doing my own thing then all of a sudden my dad and i we didn't see exactly eye to eye yeah but that's okay that's okay that's part of the process as part of the relationship and trust me when i tell you that's going to make you love your dad more when you get to be my age uh -huh. than if you didn't have that at all yeah. like you don't want somebody that's your fishing partner and that's your dad that just is uh how do you say it passive you know what i mean yeah you want somebody that has some passion you know that's willing to get into argument about about fishing with you exactly you know because if he's getting an argument with you what does that mean that means he actually cares about exactly it. and Especially that's right? oh yeah that that's the that's the thing that makes me and him the probably the most mad is oh man we and him have had so many handful of stories where you know just snuck that we don't even know how big they were and we get him next to the bone we're like we have the holy shit moment and then we're right there i'm like right here i'm like dad get the freaking net and all of a sudden she takes one more run phrase and then we just start screaming at each other like you should have got the net quicker you know uh you should have bumped up the leader you should have <laughs> did this or that we just start coming up with all these excuses that really is just <laughs> yeah it just wasn't meant to be dude that's part of the process yeah. you have to go through those bumps and bruises that's what makes the sport so special yeah now tell me about tell me about the the best story that you and your dad were able to accomplish something really good i mean we uh one time we were talk to me about this freaking snook man over here yeah i mean uh that's the story i was just about to say is the, the story pretty much is exactly what i'm saying right now is we were trolling hog legs in fort lauderdale on some of the uh walls and stuff and uh it first started off i was so we went around this wall we had one of the mullet that we had out was probably around 17 inches i knew was, whatever's gonna hit it's probably gonna be a nice fish we go around this corner and I see the mullet, you know, he gets a little nervous and he ends up swimming down. I'm like, you know, this was probably four, three years ago, three and a half years ago. And I was like, okay, you know, he's going to get eaten here. And all of a sudden I just feel that thunk. And I'm like, there it is. Let the fish eat, close the bale, reel down. She's there. And I'm, I just feel the weight of this fish. She's huge. And, you know, we're fighting her, we're fighting her, I'm getting her out of the dock. She comes out, she comes out and jumps. And this fish was probably all of, well, I'm saying this now because we caught a fish that was over 40 this day, but this fish was probably either, it was definitely over 43, it was probably 44, 45. And I'm flipping out and I get this fish next to the boat and my dad goes and grabs the net. I'm like, get the net in the water. I get her head out of the water. She takes one more run, and I see the. I watch the hook just pop out of her mouth. And let me tell you something. Twelve and a half year old me started crying, literally crying, bawling, right. and screaming at my dad. We're sitting there. We're crushed. Right. We were crushed. We were like that. You know, that's her shot. Blah blah this. Blah blah that. 
and then you know we we suck it up we get everything back together and we come uh back to one of our another one of our good spots and sitting there and i watch this mullet come up she shoots up on top you see this giant wake behind it and you just see the freaking bucket mouth open up on it and it's boom and i look at my dad i'm like no way that just happened <laughs> set the hook another giant fish i fought this fish i think we timed it at like about seven minutes probably um it was on this is a lighter reel it was on like a 5k uh pen uh pen conflict i think it was yeah with like a star rod or something and we get this fish next to the boat and it's dogging i'm like <laughs> oh gosh dad get the net this and that so we're in the moment and my dad can't net the fish we had like a lobster net on the boat and my dad's trying to get the lobster net around this fish and i'm like dad and my uh one of our my, my dad's buddy was was there and he's like give me the freaking net he grabs the net and the fish takes another run. I'm like, please don't come off. I get the fish back up. We put the fish in the net. And I was like, that's that's over 40. We measured her. She was 42. 42 inches. Yeah. And it's got some good girth on it. That's a real river snook. I wish you guys could be in uh, in uh, Mateo's house here because the snook mount's sitting right behind me with the mullet chain from LonkerCon, <laughs> which is class, by the way. Yeah. You know, there's not too many kids that are rolling with the mullet from lunker con talk about lunker con you know it's one of my definitely one of my favorite events to go to because <laughs> you know we're all we all go and you know we all go and you know we go and see you know a bunch of all the fishermen they come all around florida pretty much did um real guys yeah, yeah. you get to hang out with the real guys did, did who's your favorite fishing celebrity that you met at lunker con I don't know. I, I really like Peter Miller. Um, okay. Peter's a blast. Yeah, Peter's a blast. He's funny. He's cool. Um, I've met uh, George at LunkerCon. George Guts. Yeah. Uh, Matt. Matt's uh, one of George's friends that we've fished with him and Stewart a few times. Well, like two times. Right on. And, yeah, I mean, they're all a bunch of great guys that I met at LunkerCon. And, well, yeah. that's you know, that's one of the reasons we do, we do LunkerCon is um, – we want the younger fishermen to get exposed to some of the older guys, some of the celebrities that are out there. Yeah. We want the um, we want we want we want to try to inspire. We want to try to motivate kids like yourself, you know, to make you realize that with a little bit of hard work, not a ton of hard work, and a lot of fun, and a and a and a, but you got to have you know you got to have the uh, the inspiration and the and the motivation to actually go out there and do it. But if you do that, these people are actually your peers. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're not. People look at the fish and celebrities as a TV star. They're not TV stars. They're fishermen, just like you and me. Uh-huh. And one of the whole ideas about having LunkerCon is to put guys like you right next to guys like Peter Miller, George Gods, Benny Blanco, yeah. Rufus Wakeman. You know, uh, Tom Rowan. You know, you go down the yeah. list of all the different dudes. And I think it's important for young guys like yourself to realize that these older dudes are not necessarily superstars or celebrities. They're fishermen, just like you and me. Exactly. So I'm glad you've been able to take advantage of that over the years. Talk to me a little bit about um, the mullet chain. The uh, the mullet chain I actually got at LunkerCon. And forget the uh, guy's name, but it was like <laughs> his, his IG is at like... 
Yeah, yeah like, Team Guggen team, something. Team Guggen, Team Guggen. Yeah. And he was a really cool guy, and we were all, you know, we were at LunkerCon. We're all having fun. I forget exactly what was happening, but we're all, like, dancing, messing around. And he's like, it was at kind of at the end, and he's like, I want you to have the LunkerCon necklace. And I'm like, wow, really? He's like, yeah. And that's how I got the uh, mullet and the gold chain that's currently sitting on Snook right now. <laughs> All right, what's your opinion on the turnover chain at University of Miami? Did they rip off Team Guggen's um, Lunker Dog chain? How much was it? The Lunker Dog chain or the one that the UM guys have? I think the yeah. ones that's got UMs have. I think that thing's about, that thing's about yeah. 40 grand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that one's about 40 grand. But I think that the... Uh, the but I think the one... That, yeah, they definitely stole the idea. Yeah, but I think the one Guggen gave you has more meaning than the turnover chain that the, that the U uses. Oh, yeah. And I personally think that they ripped us off, <laughs> which I'm totally used to. And each year we're looking for the next kid to... to I thought I thought it was I thought it was great that that uh, that Guggen um, passed the chain along, you know, yeah. to the new guy. Yeah. Exactly. I'm, I'm sure that's not the first time he saw you at LonkerCon. I think when the older dudes go to LonkerCon, they're looking to inspire younger yeah. fishermen. Yeah. And and I and I feel I feel good that it happened to you. I'm glad that you got it because you actually, you know, are carrying on the tradition. Yeah. I want you to roll with that chain for a few years, and then when you see a young kid that you think is a kid that should have it, I want you to give it to him one day. Yeah, exactly. And before we leave, before I leave today, I want you to put that thing on. We'll take a picture of it, and we'll use it for the uh, photo for this podcast. How All does right. that sound? Yeah, that sounds good. So what do you think? Do you think I should come down there to Real Deal and do a do a podcast with Mike? Yeah, you know, Mike is, he knows the keys pretty well, so you can talk to him about the keys. Tell me the relationship you have with your boss. Now, just so the audience knows, Mike owns Real Deal Tackle. And you got to hand it to Mike for hiring a young guy like Mateo. Yeah. And I went in there not too, too long ago. We spoke a little bit about you. But I want to hear from your, from, want to hear from your mouth. How's your relationship with your boss, and how do you like working for Mike? I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely funny. We, uh, we have our times where he wants to just, he just, he can't stand me sometimes. And then I get mad at him. And, but then at the end of the day, we all just kind of, we're messing around with each other. We're, you know, (laughs) bringing each other up, bringing each other down. It's kind of like, just depends on kind of the day. Well, I think you're fortunate because, um, Mike's, After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash waypoint. That's mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. 
how old's his son? Like eight, maybe? It's seven eight. or six. Seven, eight, or nine. Yeah, I saw that. The guy yeah, yeah. kid caught his first tarpon. Yeah. Again, they'll run, run that dog. I was, I was really excited that he got it. But I think you're awfully lucky that your boss has an eight-year-old son. Yeah. Because I'm sure that helps with the relationship and gives him a little bit more patience that he probably oh, wouldn't sure. have with a young guy. For sure. With a young guy. I, I think I would be gone if it wasn't for Adam. Yeah, oh, I think yeah. I, I think yeah. I think most kids your age would be gone if yeah. the kid if the guy didn't have a kid that he's used to deal with. Exactly. So anything hairy happen in the shop? Um, I mean we've we've had some funny stories throughout the years. People just coming in, just asking weird questions. Like, you ever catch any shoplifters or anything weird like that? Um, there was one day where this guy came in. It was me and this uh, this guy named DJ, and we're sitting there, and these two guys come in and. Yeah, something was just weird, and there were two older guys, and they're kind of asking a lot of questions. They're saying that they're going to the Keys, and they want to show me a knot. So DJ's helping the one guy, and I'm about to show the other guy the knot. And it turns out when I turned around to go get the line, he grabbed a pair of glasses off the um, where we keep our glasses. And my buddy, the, our co-worker, uh, he saw in the corner of his eye, and... We ended up catching him. We we got the glasses back. He put them down and ran out of the shop with his buddy. So you didn't have to, like, get him in a headlock or no. nothing? Yeah. No. All right. Yeah. Now, how old is the kid you were working with? Um, well, is he an adult? He Yeah, he's he's older. All right. Yeah. All right. So you had an adult with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It wasn't like a 18-year-old and a 15-year-old. Are you trying to get your nerve up to get the guy in a headlock to get the glasses back? That didn't happen? <laughs> no, nah, that didn't happen. Yeah. Well, hey. Dude. It's it's situations like that where I think it's the most healthy for kids like you to be working because you go through situations like that and then later on in life you get put in a hairy situation like that and, you know, it's a lot easier for you to digest and develop and to actually handle a situation like uh-huh. that, which is all part of going to work, which is shit you're not going to understand until you get to be my age. Yeah. But just roll with me. Just bear with me. You know what I mean? Like your dad gets it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one day you're going to have a kid. And you're going to be like, I wonder if he's going to get a job. That's going to be in your mind. Uh-huh. And then if he does, then you'll feel like, all right, I'm doing something right. <laughs> you know? And then being able to keep your first job for two years is pretty impressive. Yeah. I work for Sun Supermarket over here by Oakland Park Bridge. You know where Boat Campers is? Yeah. Right across the street from Boat Campers used to be a supermarket. It was called Sun Supermarket. Uh-huh. I lasted about four days. <laughs> yeah. That was my... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have to tell you. Now, I went, I, my wife worked there, believe it or not. Uh-huh. You know, like we couldn't even drive yet, and she worked there. And um, I think that was probably like my biggest motivation to get the job is so I could like hang out and look at my, my girlfriend at the time uh-huh. or the girl that I thought it was going to be my girlfriend. So my motives, <laughs> my, my motives weren't exactly the same. So my, my job, my first job really didn't last that long. So having a t- job for two years at your age, you can put that on your resume already, you know. And people, I'm not kidding you, employers will look at that and be like, this kid's had a job for two years? It's impressive. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's again, that's something else you're not going to get to. you become old like me. Yeah. But you'll get it one day. Uh-huh. But the moral of the story is me and your dad, we're proud of you. And we think that it's great that you're working. Yeah. And I think you're setting a role model for the other kids that are your age. Oh, yeah. I'm not kidding you. Yeah. yeah, I wish you guys could be here because Mateo's kind of looking at me like, all right, Maggio, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about fish again, that kind of thing. Yeah. So what's your favorite combo, your go-to combo, and you're going to get on – well, first of all, tell me all the stuff that you bring 
when you get on your bike and you're gonna go hit a spot i mean we uh we go on a bike or most of the time we cheat and we just get in the car now because i got one of my buddies he lives across the street here and, and he can't drive that far but we go you know to the two bridges over here and we kind of just mess around and set up pretty much changes on the season pretty much but you graduated from the bike to your buddy's car pretty much telling me yeah all right so tell me what all right you and your buddy are gonna go fishing yeah what do you guys do snook fish mostly we uh we definitely do snook fishing we do tarpon fishing but mainly when we go out we're trying to catch snook snook fishing yeah well tell me how you load up the car when you get ready for snook fishing i mean i just with me i'm kind of i like to kind of pack light because in case you know blah 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 this blah blah that happens something gets stolen i kind of like to keep all my stuff in one little area and you know just so i could watch it all and i'll have you know four rods on the bridge just in case this 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 or that happens and really it's rare when that happens and we live right here so if you know that's a scenario we just drive back real quick and pick up what we need and go right back so you figure it's easier for you to travel light yeah and then to run back and get something if you need it rather than try to bring all the crap with you and then keep track of it and maybe leave something on the bridge you're fishing or not being able to pay attention to it and some some nerd friggin' steals something. Yeah. So you figure you figure it's uh, traveling lights the way to go? Yeah, especially fishing local because everything, you know, it's right there. Or you do bring what could happen in the car, but you leave it in the car. And then you just bring up to the bridge or to the wall or whatever you're fishing, what you pretty much think you need. And, you know, if... Yeah, I could fit all the tackle I need for the day in my book bag, but, you know, if instead of there's slot snook and 40s on the light, there's 100-pound tarp, and, yeah, I'll go back and get grab a bigger rod, but... Right, right. Well, you know, there's two different two different theories, two different ways guys look at, you know, gearing up. Personally, I'm a streamlined dude. I think less is better. Yeah. I learned that from some guys that were into blues music. They introduced me to B.B. King. B.B. King would play a chord or two here and there, but it was good. And then I heard B.B. King say, less is better. Uh-huh. And then I started kind of, you know, going after that philosophy. Yeah. It's not the only philosophy in the world. You get these some of these dudes that are what I call equipment freaks. Uh-huh. They have everything pretty everything. much. Every, they, everything. Everything that could happen, that might happen, that's probably not going to happen, they got it. Exactly. And it's... So, so, so Mateo, you're definitely not in the category of an equipment freak? No. No. I have pretty much everything, like all that crazy equipment at my house. Right. You know, for, you know, when seasons change and different fish move in, uh, the fish that are there move out, you know. But I don't bring everything that could happen to the fishing spot. I think that's pointless. It is pointless. Um, it's not necessarily right, but it's pointless. The... Uh, one of the biggest challenges that I've always had with all my buddies when we were fishing the mullet run uh-huh. is these freaking equipment freaks would bring everything in the world down to the beach. Exactly. And then you got to chase the pods down the beach. That's my least favorite thing. Uh, one of my buddies is actually good with it. We bring, when we fish the mullet run, we'll either bring cast nets. Even cast nets were like iffy. So we normally just bring a snag rod and we snag one mullet. You know, we're walking down the pod. We bring only three rods. One. One I fish, one he fishes, and the snag rod we kind of throw in the book bag and kind of chase the pods down the beach. Right, right. That's um, a very efficient way to do it. A lot of the guys that I know, they bring too much stuff to the beach. Like you said, the pod moves down the beach. 
they're running, yeah. they're running like a quarter <laughs> mile just to get something and then going back to the exactly. pod and having the uh having the streamline tackle you know when you're doing the mullet run in my opinion is the key to success uh-huh because if you if you if you are a tackle freak and you carry too much stuff with you it drags you down it's kind of like bringing a nerd fishing with you Except yeah. it's your tackle, you know what I yeah. mean? You got to watch out for it. Yeah. It's going to get in the sand. Yeah, exactly. You're going to lose stuff. So your extra tackle is all like fishing with a nerd. And I'm sure you've done that. Yeah. How many nerds do you fish with? Oh, man. On average, 50-50, nerd to real guy, 80-20? Pro- probably, I'd say 50-50, yeah, 50/50. would probably be. It's yeah. universal. Half of my friends are nerds. Yeah. Some of my best friends are nerds, though. I'll admit it. It, it didn't, <laughs> nothing bother me. I've always been friends with nerds. Uh-huh. As a matter of fact, if I wasn't friends with nerds, I probably never would have got out of high school. Huh. I'm not kidding you. One of my nerdiest friends, right, mathematical genius, uh-huh. is the only reason I got through Algebra two. The only <laughs> reason. It's the only reason that I stayed eligible to play football at St. Thomas. So being friends with nerds <laughs> is not a no, detriment. I, yeah. it's, they're all good. Yeah. Nerds, real guys, anywhere in between. And you can be a nerd and you can be a nerd and be a real guy at the same time. Yeah. It's true. Some of the best fishermen in the world are total nerds. One of the guys that was a mentor to me, Walt Jennings. He uh-huh. was a writer for uh, Saltwater Fly Fishing Magazine and he was a freelance writer for a lot of the different magazines. But he was older. He was friends with my dad. Uh-huh. But when I was about a little bit younger than you, he befriended me, and we started, be- and we became fishing partners. Uh-huh. So not only did we have this huge um, difference in age, yeah, Walt was a serious nerd. He was a journalist banker. Uh-huh. I mean, you can't get any more nerd than a ju- than a, than a journalist banker. Yeah, but we were tight. Yeah, and he knew how to fish, and he was willing to teach me anything that he knew. Uh-huh. He taught me how to kite fish. Yeah. He taught me how to travel. More importantly than anything, because he had a. He was he had he had a twenty five foot mako and my dad used to build all the um, metalwork for mako the uh-huh. rails the t tops the towers anything that went on a mako that was you know made out of aluminum yeah came out of the salt shaker plant so because of that we had a good relationship with mako Walt Jennings owned a twenty five foot mako and they had a really good um, mako's owners tournament schedule uh-huh. and I mean it went from Boston, Massachusetts to Key West. Uh-huh. And you would fish tournaments anywhere in between. He took me to New Jersey to do um, Mako shark fishing. Huh. We did uh, what they call rock fishing there. Black, uh-huh. black bass or something. It's little tiny bass. Totally boring. But that's what, you do in, <laughs> that's what you do in New Jersey. He took me striper fishing. He did all this different stuff. Uh-huh. And we stayed fishing buddies. Even today we're good buddies. He's a little older now and stuff. Total opposites. Wow. He was a gear freak. I was streamlined. He was a banker journalist. I was friggin' athlete, friggin' college stud type dude. And you would never think that we'd be fishing partners and that we'd hang out for years and years and years. But that's what fishing does. So I think it's cool that some of your friends are nerds. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So do you feel like do you feel like you're helping the nerds a little bit? A little bit. Like, you know, kind of take them along, showing them the ropes. Yeah. That's part of not being a nerd. You let them catch a fish, yeah. catch a fish <laughs> yeah, here and so, there. Sometimes at the, uh, at the, yeah, at the pier, they call me, uh, they get all mad because I'll go to the pier and, you know, some of these kids might catch one or two snook and I'll go and 
I'll go catch six or seven. And they're like, what, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. And dude, I'm just fishing, and I'm just plucking them left and right, or I'll cast them first. And I'm like, dude, you already caught like freaking four today. And they're like, do you start like, selling out care. when you do that? Be honest. It's okay. I used to sell out. Did you start selling out? We started getting lunkers in people's faces. A little bit. All right, good. Good for you. Hey, there's only a few times in life that you can truly sell out and yeah. really like boast. And catching lunkers in people's faces is an expression yeah. that not everybody gets. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. So anyway, it makes me feel good that you know. I'm glad there's some of that. Yeah. It also builds the friendships with your friends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know I mean, the more you cut up, the more you crack on them, the more you make fun of them. Uh-huh. The tighter the relationship usually gets. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, do you remember their early YouTube videos with Freshwater Rob? Freshwater Rob. Uh... Freshwater Rob was part of the Boat Ramp Boys way back when we first started doing YouTube. Yeah, I mean, I, a lot of times I'll, you know, get bored sometimes and go way back and watch, you know, the 2008 Mullet Run videos. And it's all fun, you know? Freshwater Rob was a bass nerd uh-huh. that I got introduced to. By his sister, who was friends with my sister. And I never had more fun and had such a good relationship with somebody that I thought was a total bass nerd (laughs) in my entire (laughs) life. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And um, thank God. Thank God I had Rob because really, you know, that's, especially when you get older, Mateo, you know, like I've been fishing basically like you since I was a kid on my bike. Yeah. When you get older and then you look back, you understand the fish is secondary to the experiences. Uh-huh. When you're your age, it's all about catching the biggest, the baddest. One inch makes a big difference. One pound makes a big difference. Yeah. The right photo makes a big difference. When you get to be older and you look back at it, you won't think that way anymore. Yeah. You're going to think about your relationship you had with your fishing buddies. You're going to think about the relationship you had with your dad. Uh-huh. And trust me when I tell you, fishing gives you a different relationship with your dad than anything else in the entire world. Oh. Uh-huh. And it's not um, unique. It's almost universal. Mm-hmm. Do you know uh, who Eric and Mike Leach are? They sound really familiar. Mike Leach, Mr. Leach, uh-huh. was the president of the IGFA uh-huh. for the longest time. Okay. Eric Leach is his son who right now is one of the best fishermen in the world. I did a podcast with those two guys. Uh And I sat there, and I could tell the relationship that those two dudes had because they fished together for all those years. Totally unique compared to other father-son relationships. Uh Trust me when I tell you, when you get old and shit, you are going to understand what I'm talking about. It's hard now at your age. Yeah. You got a girlfriend? No. No girls yet? No. You close? No. Are you digging any chicks? Maybe. Good. You're starting to make me nervous there, no. especially in this town. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, hey, you got baby steps, man. Yeah. Baby steps. I know you got a good relationship with your dad. I know you're into fishing. We'll exactly. take it a step further. Yeah, fishing. You're into fishing chicks. goes uh, a little we're, first right now. We're rolling along. All that. We're, yeah, we're rolling along pretty well. Yeah. Well, things are going to change one day. You're going to meet a chick, right? Uh-huh. And then you're going to have to, like, look at your girl and then look at your fishing gear. <laughs> then you're going to look at your girl and then you're going to look back at your fishing. And you're going to have to make a choice. I think kind of a lot of girls are fishing now. Like the cool yeah. Thing yeah. Maybe yeah, maybe you get it. Maybe you get a girlfriend that fishes. 
Maybe you get the right girlfriend that'll let you fish. Yeah, yeah, that that's a big one. It's huge. Yeah. Trust me when I tell you, that's one of the biggest things that you are going to grow into. Yeah. Having the relationship with a woman that'll let you fish, uh-huh. let you fish. God, is that horrible. I hate to even say it, but it's true. It's true. It's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so moving forward, if you let your girl know, the, the girl that you're interested in or that you're going to be interested in one day, yeah. keep fishing, dude. Let her put up with your fishing because the fishing is part of you. Uh-huh. One of the biggest mistakes kids make is they put fishing aside and they start doing everything that the girl wants them to do. Exactly. And then you know what the girl does? Leaves. Right. Or changes their mind. Exactly. If you stay steady and you keep fishing and the girl understands that that's not a option, whether or not you're going to be fishing or not, uh-huh. they'll roll with it. Yeah. They will roll with it. When I... You met my wife. Yeah. She thinks you're great. Yeah. She, well, dude, she, she you know, she, you see how she runs LonkerCon. Yeah. Right? She's freaking, right. She, she runs the show. Yeah. So she's been watching you since you were pretty young. Uh-huh. Every year she sees you and she pays attention. She knows the kids that go to LonkerCon. Uh-huh. And um, she appreciates you. And she appreciates all the kids, you know, like you uh-huh. that are doing it. What I want you to understand is, is there's women out there that will appreciate a fisherman. When I was with her, I've been with her for friggin', see, I'm 53. So I've been with her for about 37 years. I started dating her when I was 16. She was 15. I could drive. She couldn't. So it was a big deal. <laughs> but at that, at that point, I was going around the world fishing marlin turns with my dad. Oh. So half the time, she didn't even know where I was. She knew I was fishing, but she didn't even know where I was. And she was okay with that. And she stuck with me, and I stuck with her, and then through the years, you know, it had ended up working out just fine. And I wish some of my friends kind of watched that a little bit better uh-huh. because they met their girlfriends, and they totally caved when it came to fishing. Yeah. And then because they caved, the woman thought that that's the way it should be. Exactly. And then her expectations were totally different. So long story short, the woman thing's going to start coming into your life here. I can tell because you're getting a mustache. You're going to be shaving soon and stuff. Probably using deodorant. Are you paying attention to sponsors on the on the, on the the podcast at all? Because there's a, there's a sponsor right now that's going to be really good for you. Is it, it the Dollar Shave Club thing? Or no, no, it's called Thick. 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 Okay. It's a men's body wash. Okay. And you use the men's body wash and you smell real good. And then you go out there and the chicks freaking feel you. Or whatever, but it's a, it, it's a good, it's good. It's kind of like, um, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, my daughter, she was at the grocery store with me, and I went to pick out my Men and Speed stick or whatever, my Old Spice or whatever the old, and she told me that I had to use Axe. Yeah, the new Axe. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, "What's up with Axe?" She goes, "Well, that's the best." So I bought the Axe and I was using that, and <laughs> you know, I don't know if my wife thought anything different, but anyway. This thick body wash that's a new sponsor for the show, nine bucks. You get the special scent, special fragrance, and it's thick. <laughs> and you could probably use that. What are you, sport? What are you, about 110 pounds? If that. Yeah. A little pasta and a little bit of thick, and you'll be all right. <laughs> but anyway, anyway. So tell me something about um, what it's like growing up in Fort Lauderdale um, for you. I mean, oh. 
years ago, you know, it was it was cool because there was, you know, well, really, not even that many years ago. Last year, it was nice, you know, when we were when we really figured out how to fish around here. It was, you know, we could pretty much go to places and go, you know, go catch a snook, go catch tarpon, you know, wherever we kind of want, and go have fun and. You know, now it's it's a little annoying with the sewage spills because it's definitely ruined a lot of our fishing. I mean, the fish, they're, the tarpon, you know, they're still there, but most of the snook have actually kind of evacuated. Yeah. We I have think, kind of noticed. Yeah, I think a lot of the fish just um, either, I don't know if they could smell it or whatever, but you saw all the small fish that died. Yeah. You know, I think it had a lot to do with those little sand perch and stuff all died. And then the big fish swim around. And they're just like, hey, there's nothing here. So they move on. Exactly. And they kind of just move out or they go way, way up the river. Most of them move out because I got some spots way up the river that yeah, I've been seeing some decent fish at, but mainly all like the little fish that kind of live up in there and then they kind of move. So let me ask you this. They... Let me ask you this. Is it, do you and your fishing buddies sometimes wish that you grew up in a different town? We do now. Do you? A little bit. We, you know, we, we go and we're like, you know, imagine we lived in Jupiter, Jupiter, <laughs> Jupiter, Sebastian, like we'd be freaking slayers. You know, we, we know the whole river, like, you know, back in hand, those kids don't realize how, you know, how good special they, they are, how good they got it, where they can literally just take one step out and cast anywhere. And there's freaking snook everywhere up there. Yeah, yeah. Do, do, do you have you listened to a lot of the podcast? I've listened to a handful of them. Did you get Did you get a chance to listen to the Kelly Slater effect? Um, it's cool. Did if we you do didn't. that one? No, I don't think we the did. The Kelly Slater effect. That was an older podcast, but um, basically the way the podcast went is, do you know who Kelly Slater is? Uh yeah. Kelly Slater is is is. Uh, yeah, he's a surf champ. He, uh -huh. he is probably the best surfer that ever walked the planet of the earth. Uh -huh. It's And it shows. But Kelly Slater grew up in Sebastian Inlet, or somewhere down there, Melbourne, Sebastian, yeah. you know, right in there. And the rest of the surfing crowd, the big pros in the, in, you know, in the surfing leagues, were all from California, Hawaii, Australia, the Brazilians, all these places yeah. that had these great waves, you know, and these oh, yeah. great beaches. Those 50-foot crazy waves that are... Right, insane. But Kelly, he had to he had to surf the waves at a Sebastian Inlet uh -huh. that those people would call trash. Uh huh. But because he grew up in Sebastian Inlet and he had to surf those waves, and the competition level was harder for him, it made him perform at a higher level. Uh huh. Than everybody else, and we call that the Kelly Slater effect. Whether you know it or not, the Kelly Slater effect is happening to you right here, right now. Uh -huh. Why? Because our inland isn't slap full of snooks like they are in Jupiter. Oh, no. And our bridges aren't slap full of friggin' bait and snooks like they are oh, in no. other parts of the state. Yeah. So if you can become successful fishermen here, exactly, so when I, you roll to these other parts, on, yeah. right, it's kind of... I always I always compare it to golf, even though I've never even played around to golf. <laughs> but there's certain levels of fishing. But when you grow up here, and, and it's harder, it's going to benefit you as a fisherman. It's going to make your skills sharper. You're going to have to see things quicker, faster, easier than the rest. And it's going to pay uh -huh. in the long run, just so you know that. When I grew up here, I never thought about living someplace else. Yeah. But then again, we had snooks in our inlet. Yeah. 
snook so thick that you couldn't catch them all in one night. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, Tarping so thick in the river that, you know, we would do TV shows and get them done in three hours, that kind of thing. Oh, you know what I mean? I've heard of those days. And they just, were here. They yeah. were here. And um, growing up in that, yeah, there's, there was other places that were, you know, had more fish oh, than yeah, us. For sure. But, but never once did the kids, or at least the kids I was hanging around, wish, you know, that 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 we grew up in a different town. Yeah. But things are changing. That's the way life goes. And, and, and you'll realize that as time goes on. And you can't stop change. Uh-huh. You can only roll with change. Yeah. Now, you can influence people and you can influence things, but you're never going to stop change. Change is just something that happens in life. Uh-huh. But one thing that's never going to change, and that's the kids like you are going to grow up and they're going to fish with their dads. Yeah. Now, hopefully, you get a, a successful marriage. And have some kids. And because you spent your time and energy as a young man learning how to fish, you'll pass it along. Uh-huh. And that's a real guy thing. Uh-huh. That's a real guy thing that, you know, the older guys talk about at Lunkercon. And we sit back and we, tr- and, we, and, we, and we try to carry the tradition on for you and your friends and for kids that we don't even know. Yeah. You know what I mean? I love it that Guggen gave you the, the chain. Uh-huh. He passed that chain along. He wants you to wear it. But really what he was doing is he was trying to make sure that you stayed in the game. It was important to that guy, and he didn't even know you. Yeah. One day you're going to feel that way. Uh-huh. And the reason you're going to feel that way is because, one, you develop a relationship with nature. Mm. You develop a, a relationship with the sport. And more importantly than anything is the relationship that you started with your dad. Keep doing a great job, Mateo. Thanks for being on the Real Guy Podcast. And I'm going to come down to Real Deal Tackle Shop. All right. And uh, we'll do a podcast with Mike. And um, I'm going to ask Mike some questions about you. Probably make you a little bit embarrassed or whatever. But oh, that's fine. Hey, it's the way it goes. Just, yeah. <laughs> Let Mike tell you all. Anyway, Mateo, um, thanks for being on the podcast. And run that dog. All right. Run that dog. <laughs>